Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Tuesday, April 19, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Working from the heartland in Nebraska, Sarah Abbott, on Buster Only. I'm working from Montana. And Taylor Schwink is working from his new home studio in Connecticut, in his new home. Taylor, you put that together last night. Yep, I was up late. You know, well, you know, I was waiting for some games to end, Buster. I want to have a complete rundown, do a thorough accounting of my job, and then I'm piecing things together. Next thing I know, it's uh, you know about 1:15 in the morning. So, uh, you know, putting together a space that I can work in, and uh, we're off to the races here. I'm very excited to be in the new studio, the CT Lounge. I think is what I'm going to call it. So, tell me what your how your wife felt when you were like. Yeah, okay, you go and unpack the dishes and all the kitchen stuff, and I got to go get my home studio ready to go, the man cave. (laughs) Well, it was really like, you know, I have to do all that, and then you have to do that on your own time. So that's why I was up at (laughs) 1 o'clock in the morning putting things together. So, you know, we've we've, I I prioritized what was important around here. Well, there you go. Yeah, you had to work this morning. Uh, I do have a cold or some kind of flu. What we I do know is it's not COVID. I tested negative. But that's uh, that's what you guys are going to be hearing from my voice today. The ones who get it done is brought to you by Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, backed by twenty four seven support and access to product specialists. Call, click Granger.com or stop by. And you know who got it done last night? Freddie Freeman. Here was Freddie Freeman playing for the Dodgers now, of course, against his old team, the Atlanta Braves, last night. This is Freddie Freeman talking before the game. I don't know if any of us are really looking for closure. You know, it's like, what is it? Like, I had a great 12 years. I'm not trying to close anything. You know, I'm just trying to move on, obviously. But, you know, I have so many great memories with the Braves. I'm just excited to see everyone. This is, like, that was the first time I saw Alex in person since the parade. You know, like, <laughs> I haven't seen these people, see these guys since the parade. So that, that's what's so special. It's more of just hugging, hugging everybody again, seeing everybody and seeing their, their faces and just talking to everybody again. It's been good. An emotional Freddie Freeman before the game on the verge of tears when talking with reporters. Well, in his first plate appearance against the Braves, this is what happened. Shift on to the right side for Freeman. And the pitch. Fly ball, left center field. It's going to be a long run for Duvall. He looks up and it's gone. Oh, oh my. Freddie. Freddie. Dodgers one to nothing. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? That was Charlie Steiner on the call on Dodgers radio. Here was Freddie Freeman after the Dodgers beat the Braves. Freddie, earlier we talked about the emotions of today. Let's start with first out. You saw your teammates this afternoon, then you received your third Silver Slugger. How special was it to do that alongside your former manager as well as hitting coach? Uh, yeah, uh, having Snit and Sites out there uh, means the world. You know, we, we accomplished a lot of great things together. and. But then to be able to come out and share that moment with me and my family, that meant that started off the night pretty special. So then yeah. you have first at bat, a huge home run. Could it have played out any more perfectly? Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I kind of just hit it and I was like, oh, my gosh, please go out. But uh, it was just one of those moments that, you know, obviously I just wanted to play well. It doesn't matter who the opponent is, but um, I think Trey mentioned it earlier. He's like, that was that was great of you to uh, wait nine games to hit your first home run to have your first one against the Braves, but uh, it, and it worked out. But um, you know, it's just good. I'm glad I had a lot of family here that they got to see me hit home run. 
That was a reference, of course, to Trey Turner, his new teammate on the Dodgers. Cody Bellinger had a home run this game, and after the concern of spring training, he's off to a good start, batting 278 with a 500 slugging percentage. Clayton Kershaw was good in this game. Five innings, no walks, seven strikeouts, although he seemed to run out of gas at the end. Ronald Cooney Jr. is going to start a AAA rehabilitation assignment this week. If all goes well, he'll play home games for Gwinnett next week, and then maybe the week after that, he could be activated in the big leagues. The Astros played the Angels last night, and Jordan Alvarez had himself a night. 3-1, and that's belted deep to right field, and you can kiss that one goodbye. Deep into the second deck, Jordan Alvarez with a two-run blast. Two to nothing, Astros. Here's the 3-2. Fastball, and it's ripped to right center field, and Goodwood! See you later! Alvarez, another two-run shot. Welcome back, big boy. 7-3 Astros. Final score there would be 8-3. Those were the voices of Robert Ford, then Steve Sparks. Sparksy on KBME, 790 AM. Rockies in Phillies. The Rockies are playing well early this year. 1-1 pitch to Gritchick. Hit down the right field line, chasing Castellanos back. He reaches up, it's over his head, up against the wall. That scores Hilliard. Blackman being waved in. Here comes the throw to third base. And the slide, Gritchick is out at third. But both runs will score. There's the hit the Rockies are looking for. Randall Gritchick comes through with two outs and puts the Rockies up 4-0. That was from 8.50 KOA. Rockies win the game 4-1. They're now 7-3. The Cubs and the Rays and Patrick Wisdom got a big hit. As Wisdom drives one in the air to deep left field. Going back is Arosa Reina. It's got a chance. Gone. Long gone. A booming home run by Patrick Wisdom to left. And the Cubs lead two to nothing. On their way to a 42 victory. That sound from the Cubs radio network. Cubs now six and four. Jose Altuve, second baseman of the Astros, left Monday night's game with a strained left hamstring after legging out an infield single. Dusty Baker told reporters after the game that he's going to go through an MRI, and then they'll get some answers after that. COVID continues to be an issue around baseball. The Athletics now six players on their COVID-19 injured list, including infielder Jed Lowry, relievers A.J. Puck, Lou Trevino, before... Chad Pinder, Austin Allen, Stephen Piscotty were set aside because of issues they've been having. Mark Kotze, the A's rookie manager, said, we definitely have been faced with some challenges. The Mets are, uh, over the weekend, lost Brandon Nimmo, Mark Canna to the uh, COVID IL. And some Red Sox players won't be making the upcoming trip to Toronto. Starting pitcher Tanner Houck told the Boston Globe he isn't vaccinated. There are other Red Sox players who are also not going to be able to make that trip because they are not vaccinated. And former Cy Young Award winner Jake Arrieta announced his retirement from baseball. We'll be talking about that with Tim Kirchin coming up. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, NBA playoffs have officially tipped. We had a great game, Boston, Brooklyn Nets the other day. That was excellent. To catch up on all that, you got to listen to The Low Post and The Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst. You can listen to both of those shows wherever you get your podcasts. They're coming at you twice a week throughout the NBA playoffs. Check those guys out. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? 
Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code baseball. That's code baseball. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com Buster. Just go to Indeed.com Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkson. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. Tim Kirkson, of course, covers baseball for ESPN. Tim, where are you today? I'm at home today. Uh... <laughs> I have some moving to do this afternoon, some moving of heavy stuff uh, for family members. Not looking forward to this, but I do this every day. I think I'm too old, too short, and too light to be carrying anything heavy. And yet seemingly every day, that's what I do. So you're talking about like a sofa or a refrigerator, Uh, you know, some kind of a bookcase yeah, th- all all of the above. I'm not lifting a refrigerator, but all of the above. Things have to be taken out of a truck, moved into the garage, and then empty. It's don't even start with me. I that that's the, how I'm going to die. I'm going to die moving a piece of furniture when I'm 80 years old. It's going to be that's terrible. The thing. You know, you should have. Uh, you know, my feeling is once you have a kid go to college, and you've had two go through college. That's it. You're done moving furniture. Like you, you should have retired from that a long time ago. Well, in this case, I'm helping my wife, not my children. So it's difficult to tell her I I can't help you today. So I'm going to help her today like every other day. All right. So best thing in baseball that happened yesterday, without a doubt, Freddie Freeman. It feels like it fits perfectly in a very emotional Freddie before the game, greeting his former teammates. And then he comes up in his first plate appearance and he hits a home run. It just seems perfect, right? Yeah, in the open buster that you guys play for me, I say baseball never disappoints. And if you really watch it, it's true. And this is another perfect example. What would be the perfect situation? Freddie Freeman hits a home run against the Braves in his first at bat against the Braves, and it's his first home run of the season. 
only baseball lines these things up like this so perfectly. It happens all the time if you're paying attention. I mean, that's why I love it so much. Is so rarely does it does it let not you know Bill Hands did not pitch to Barry Foot in the '70s, and I still don't understand how that could not have happened for the Cubs. But everything else always happens in tune, and this is exactly what we're talking about. So, Freddie, you know, I know and I've done interviews with him where he's just been overcome by emotion. Uh, and yet I was surprised by all the emotion that we saw in those pregame interviews he was doing yesterday. And it's a guarantee that when Freddie goes back to Atlanta, he's going to be dissolved by tears. Would you agree with me? Yeah, yeah. He's just going to be a giant puddle at first base at one point because he's so moved by this. And I think it's great. I think it's really human. And I think it's really genuine that somebody cared that much about your teammates. And when you see him again, you go in and hug all 25 of them. I think it's great. And I think that's why Freddie Freeman is such a great teammate is he loves his boys so much. And I kind of love the idea that he now clearly has while he, on one hand, he's acknowledging his emotion, his feelings about playing against the Braves, his former teammates, all of his friends. He'll be friends forever with Brian Snitker and uh, Dansby Swanson and other guys in that team. And on the other hand, I think he's he absolutely is fully invested right away with the Dodgers. Yeah, and he, he should be. He's on a great team. And as you know, Buster, they played they won seven games in a row. And they haven't trailed in any of those games. They've never had a streak longer than that since they moved to Los Angeles. And not like it matters, but at the same time, the Reds have a seven-game losing streak right now, and they have not led at the end of any inning during those seven games. Just another reminder, way off target here, how good the really good teams are and how bad some other teams are. All right. Uh, the Braves won a couple games in San Diego and then they lost on Sunday night baseball. They lose the first game of the series against the Dodgers, but there's good stuff on the horizon for them. Ronald Acuna Jr. Starts his minor league rehabilitation assignment. Now uh, he's expected to play home games for Gwinnett next week. And then the following week, he's likely returned to the major leagues. And Tim, I, I think based on what I saw in spring training, how good he looked, how confident he seemed to be, Coming back from that knee injury, I think the impact from Acuna is going to be immediate. And I look at the Braves, and I know they're kind of slogged along a little bit here. I look at the Braves, and I'm like, this is a great team. It's going to be maybe up, upper echelon. We're going to have the Dodgers and the Braves at the very top. You know, there was a great stat going into Sunday's game that the Braves were number one in baseball in hard contact from their lineup. And their pitchers were number one in allowing the least amount of hard contact across the major leagues. All of that with the return of Ronald Acuna Jr. portends of good things to come for them. Absolutely. I mean, they haven't gotten going at all so far other than Matt Olson. I mean, Eddie Rosario, last I looked, was like one for 26. Adam Duvall, who had 38 homers last year, went his first 35 at-bats, if not more, without a homer this year. Uh, Dansby Swanson has struck out in all 12 games that he's played so far. This is all going to change. Those guys are all going to produce, and then they're going to bring in 
the best player on the team. Now, Acuna Jr., I saw him this spring too, Buster. I watched him take batting practice. It was ridiculous. If you didn't know he was hurt, you would swear he's 100% healthy. The doctors naturally would not clear him to play. And even if he comes back just as a DH until everything feels right, then that's a tremendous bat to add to that team. And with the way they pitched for the most part this year, there's no reason not to really like where the Braves are going to be going this year. Now you said he's the best player on the team. I tend to think of him as being uh, the best player in baseball. Not for you. Where would you have him at this point? Well, I still can't put him ahead of Mike Trout, but let's okay. not forget. Let's not forget what Ronald Acuna Jr. was doing last year when he got hurt. I mean, it was ridiculous how good he was, and he gets better every time he steps on the field. But I just need to see him play every day in the outfield before I'm going to proclaim anything. And let's face it, Buster, this is the one thing the Braves are not very good at right now is their outfield defense. That needs to be shored up, and that can be done when Acuna Jr. gets healthy and can play center field, right field, left field, wherever they want him, anytime he wants. So give us your line about going to the ballpark every day. Give us that. Uh... Well, th- this is not exactly uh, revealing, but I've said it a million times and I believe it. I was saying it when I was 10. Every time you go to the ballpark, you might see something that you've never seen before. How many people, Buster, in their professions go to work saying, you know, something might happen today that I've never seen before. Something might happen that hasn't happened in 120 years, and I'm going to be watching it tonight. To me, that's the ultimate beauty of the game is things happen and you go like this. I do this about four times a day, every day during the baseball season. That's how beautiful the game is. And we had that the other day in the game between the Angels and Rangers. Bases loaded. Corey Seager at the plate for Texas. Joe Madden managing for the Angels. And this is what happened. And the Angels are going to intentionally walk Seager with the bases loaded to force in a run. Okay. That's what was being discussed out there. This is something you hardly ever see. And Joe Madden did not want Seager to face Austin Warren in that matchup. So the Angels intentionally walk him, which brings in the runner from third. They're loaded now for Garver. I am not a fan of giving up runs, just giving a run away. That's what that was. Make them earn everything. That from the Angels broadcast, Tim, that's something I've never seen before. A manager ordering the intentional walk of a hitter uh, with the bases loaded in the fourth inning. And that, to me, is the separator. I can see situations where maybe if the hitter was ridiculously good, like Barry Bonds, Josh Hamilton, guys who've, who've had this done before with the bases loaded in the late innings. But the fourth inning, Tim, I don't get it. What about you? Well, Buster, you say you've never seen it. I've never seen it. And no one who's alive has ever seen that because it's never really truly happened quite like that. When Josh Hamilton and Barry Bonds were walked intentionally, it was the eighth or ninth inning and the team was ahead. The Angels were behind and it was in the fourth inning. Those are the separators. Uh, I'm so confused by the whole thing. I love Joe Madden. We all do. He's different. He's really good at this. But this one, I still can't understand. And the thing that really 
really, uh, I don't know what the word is, but he said, I was just trying to stir the guys up. I'm not sure allowing a run in a major league game stirs up the team. It's not Buster, like a coach getting a technical to show how much he's backing up his team. That's two points in a game that, you know, you score 122. A run is way more important than two points in a basketball game. So I didn't understand that. I I had to talk to Buck Showalter when he walked, you know, uh, Barry Bonds to get to Brent May. I'd say, Buck, explain this to me. And he did. And it made sense. But Greg Olson, the pitcher that day, looked at the sign. He looked at the sign again. And then he looked at the dugout at Buck, who's standing there. And he says, you want me to do what? And then he walked him intentionally. That made some sense. It was Barry Bonds. Corey Seager's a great hitter, but he's not Barry Bonds from the late 90s. So I think you probably have the same process that I do where I look at a situation and go, I don't understand that, but I under, you know, I do know that I didn't play and I didn't manage. And so I'll call a bunch of people and say, Hey, what did you think? I didn't talk to one person who saw logic in that. What about you? I talked to a bunch of people also, and I got a lot of these and a lot of head shakes and everything else. Imagine if they had lost that game, Buster. Okay. Imagine the heat Joe would have taken if they had lost, but they won the game. So we move on. But just another reminder how beautiful this game is when something happens like that. And you say, I can't understand one bit of this. We got word the other day that the Boston Red Sox uh, are going to be without some players when they go to Toronto because they uh, are not vaccinated against COVID. Uh, The Canada's protocol is that visitors are not allowed into the country unless they've been vaccinated. Among those, Tanner Houck, who's the one who's acknowledged, the one player to this point who's acknowledged uh, that he's not publicly acknowledged that he's not vaccinated. This is going to be an issue all year, Tim. I, I don't see because the COVID numbers are, well, they're not, uh, you know, they're not necessarily spiking, but they're also not going away. And I think all year, the Blue Jays, who have all their players vaccinated, all their guys, when they come and go from the United States, they're free to come and go because they're vaccinated. Uh, they're going to have a competitive advantage against these teams. The Red Sox, you know, anytime they play the Blue Jays, Tanner in Toronto, Tanner Howe can't be part of that. He's got some of the best stuff on that team. Yeah. Imagine being a young guy with his stuff and the Red Sox need him and he can't pitch there. And, you know, it's his choice. That's not a good situation. The Red Sox are in. It's a great situation that the Blue Jays are in. Um, But uh, by the way, the Blue Jay people will tell you. We don't want to hear about this competitive advantage, okay? We just played in Dunedin for two years. We played in Buffalo. We had people dressing under a tent outside the center field fence. So don't tell us about going through hardships. But this is even more of a hardship, if that's what you want to call it, that players are not allowed to come in there. So they either should get vaccinated or this is going to go on the rest of the year. And my guess is this is going to go on for the rest of the year. The Red Sox are not the only team with multiple players who won't be able to play when they go to Toronto. Yeah. And I think the player who's going to draw the most attention on this issue is Aaron judge of the Yankees. Cause he's their best player and he's a leader of their team. He was not vaccinated last year. He tested positive for COVID uh, boy, you know, if the Yankees have to play in Toronto without him, that, that, that would be a huge story considering everything that uh, has gone on. Go ahead. 
Yeah. Another COVID season, Buster, one way or another. You, I thought we were kind of past it, but this Toronto issue itself makes this a COVID-affected season. All right. Jake Arrieta announces yesterday he's retiring from baseball. Uh, what's his legacy going to be? Well, he had one of the great Cy Young seasons ever. Um, he had a stretch there, Buster. I'm going to be close on this from like July until April of the following year where he, he allowed, he hit more home runs three than he allowed two. <laughs> think, think about that for a second. He was so dominant during that period. It was absurd. You remember those, that, that year buster, when he struck everyone out, he didn't walk anybody. He gave up no runs like all the time. It was unbelievable. And to come from Baltimore where he had, you know, performed poorly, they questioned all sorts of things about him, including his manhood for him to go out there and be great for that stretch of time and pitch for a world series champion is pretty cool. But I, I will remember the day I was in spring training with the Orioles and Brady Anderson, the mischievous Brady Anderson, you know, him well, Buster said, Hey, Jake, Tim's here today. Why don't you show him how you can walk across a room on your hands? So Jake Arietta got on his hands, walked across the clubhouse on his hands. I, I don't think Whitey Ford was, doing that in the early 60s. I'm not sure I've ever seen a pitcher do that. That was pretty darned impressive. Man, <laughs> he was. And I, I got to be there when he threw his no-hitter against the Dodgers. We had that game on Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, that was a fun broadcast. I remember seeing his joy after that game. And I remember, you know, as that game was going along, after two innings, I told Tom Archer, because it was a play early in that game, you remember, it was like a chopper hit to the second baseman. Uh, and it was scored an error. And I, I was like, you better clip that off because he's got no hit stuff. He pushes it across that line. You mentioned that second half uh, that he had the Cy Young Award. That was the best second half I've ever seen in terms of dominance of a pitcher. And you know what I loved about his career, Tim? Uh, to me, he's a tribute to how players change. Like you don't see, you and I don't see, uh, you know, NFL players or, you know, necessarily quarterbacks or best NBA players where one minor adjustment, something small can make such a big difference. When he got traded from the Orioles to the Cubs, he talked with Theo Epstein and they basically said, look, what do you want to do? Like you obviously have great stuff. It hasn't worked for you. And Jake Arrieta said he just wanted to go back to what he did as a kid. And that was to throw a baseball, right? And be comfortable and not worry about mechanics and just get back to being loose and free and easy on the mound. And he went from being this guy whose career was in jeopardy. He was like one of the worst starting pitchers in baseball to being the best starting pitcher in baseball. I love that, what it says about the game. Well, that's one of the great beauties of the game also, Buster. People get really good, like, all of a sudden, like, overnight. And they get really bad all of a sudden, overnight. Yeah, right. Most of them have no reason why they stink or why they're good. But Jake Arrieta figured it out, which was impressive. And last thing with him, when my daughter moved to Chicago years ago, I'm, I'm, tr I'm trying to help her get moved in. I go into a Starbucks, even though I don't drink coffee, and – there's a guy in there, and I know Jake Arietta well. I'd like seen him the day before, but he's in the Starbucks, and I walk by him real quickly, 
and and it was just a glancing blow. But I didn't say hello because I said this can't be Jake Arrieta on the day of a game in a Starbucks, a packed Starbucks. It can't be him. So I saw him at the ballpark later, and he said, "So you blew me off at the Starbucks this morning." I was there. You you walked right by me. Are you big timing me? Is that what you do? Big timing, Jake Arrieta. What are you crazy? I just couldn't believe he was in there. But that was classic Jake Arrieta. It just shows up at different places and thinks it's all good. Yeah. And as a reporter, he was a joy to cover because he loved to share. You know, right. you and I love players who love to share, you know, whether it's a Tony Gwynn or a David Cohn or Jake Arrieta, those guys who will let you in and explain, you know, what they're trying to do. Those are right. the best. So uh, and a real great quickly, career for, for, for about an hour when he went to Williamsport for the Little League World Series. He sat in those stands and talked to those kids about pitching, showing them grips for an hour. It was beautiful to watch. Yep. The day before he threw that no hitter, he spoke with Jessica Mendoza and I for 40 minutes, just breaking down everything that he had been doing differently since he'd come over from the Orioles. All right. Last one for you. Sad news the other day, Buck Martinez announces that he's stepping away from Blue Jays broadcast because he's battling cancer. This is someone who you know well. Yeah, I worked with him uh, a bunch at ESPN, thoroughly enjoyed it. I wrote a giant story on him when he became the manager of the Blue Jays. I've always loved being around Buck, one of the toughest people who ever played the game. You know, Buster, he broke his leg on a play at the plate back when catchers were allowed to block the plate and he broke his leg and tagged out two runners on the same play with a broken leg. What that, that was Buck Martinez. Uh, that sums up his career for me, how tough he was. And he's become a really good broadcaster. But I remember in the story I wrote, he decided when he was going to become a broadcaster, how he was going to prepare for that. And he went up on the roof of the Dunedin stadium and by himself sat up there and with a tape recorder on, he broadcast the game into a tape recorder. This is a former major league player. Most of them think, I'm just going in the booth. I don't need any practice. I know what I'm talking about. He went on the roof, not once, but multiple times, and and did the game by himself on the top of that roof into a tape recorder and played it back to see how does it sound? How can I get better? That is Buck Martinez, the uh, broadcaster and the man. And he will get through this because he is that good. All right. You might be the worldwide leader in baseball, but as we've been well established on this podcast, you are not a worldwide leader in pop culture. Have you been watching uh, the HBO series Winning Time at all about the Lakers? Uh, yeah, I, I watched about 10 minutes of it. All right. So I'm going to make a statement that is really unfair. I, I the 10 minutes I watched was terrible. And here's why <laughs> Jerry West is Jerry West is one of the 20 greatest players of all time. I grew up watching Jerry West play. He, you know, he scored like 26 points a game for his career. If they had counted steals back then, I'm told he would have averaged five steals a game, a six, four guard in the sixties a spectacular player. And even though the guy playing him looks a lot like him in the face, he doesn't look like an athletic person. And I couldn't even watch it because Jerry West looked like a dorky person instead of one of the 20 greatest players of all time. So I'm going to go back and watch it. I'm going to give it a chance because I love basketball. But when you present somebody that good and he doesn't look like a ball player, at least he doesn't to me, that that's a problem. 
All right. I love your passion. One thing you will see if you go back, back and watch the rest of that series is Pat Riley preparing to be a broadcaster by using a tape recorder and doing his voice on the roof of his garage. And that's when I'd say you're going to think of Buck Martinez when you see that. But that's OK. You went on a Jerry West diatribe and I love it. Well, I, I had to. I love Jerry West. I met him once and it was one of the greatest days of my whole life. It was fascinating. All right, Tim. Thanks for doing this. Great to talk with you. Okay. See you, Buster. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting Preventive. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, a reporter and producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Buster. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for joining us today. I want to start out with a bleacher tweet for you from Sarah Gillespie. Sent this yesterday. I laughed when I saw it. Thought this would absolutely be perfect for you. She's at tape, Atypical Faith. She uh, writes, Dear Bleacher Tweets, I want to see some stats based on the height of Kike's socks. Talking about Kike Hernandez. I have a hunch his batting average is high with higher socks. What say you, Sarah? Well, I wish we tracked this, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, as a kid, I always used to think that players who had their socks higher would run faster on the base paths. So I totally agree with her idea that it may be helping his game. But uh, when I when this tweet happened, my father texted me and said, good thing I taught you about Melvolio. So that's from Twelfth Night. We saw a production of Twelfth Night when I was like four years old and the actor had really high up socks. Uh, and every time a player comes into a game with high socks like that, my dad mentions Melvolio. So we need to somehow unite Kike Hernandez and Shakespearean plays. I, you know, somehow, some way we need to track that statistic about the <laughs> yes. socks for sure. All right, let's um, play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is 8.4%. 
So that's Seiya Suzuki's chase rate right now. And he is off to an incredible start to his career. And it's not just a great start for anyone to a major league career. It's a great start to the season overall. That 8.4% chase rate is the lowest in the majors. And again, those are the first however many pitches he's seen at the major league level. He has the third lowest swing rate. And when he does swing, he's making a lot of hard contact and good contact. And we've seen outstanding results so far. Number two. Number two is 1.07. So that is the Mets rotation ERA heading into their doubleheader against the Giants this afternoon. That is the lowest ERA by any team's starting pitchers in their first 10 games of the season since earned runs became an official stat in 1913. The lowest of any team, and they don't have Jacob deGrom. And I know a lot of people point out that, of course, this group threw a lot fewer innings than the team that they surpassed on the list, which are from 1963, 1920, 1913. But in a lot of ways, if you have fewer innings, it's going to be harder to keep that ERA down because if you give up a run, it's going to balloon it that much more. Number one. Number one is 39. So that is how many hundred mile an hour pitches Hunter Green threw on Saturday in LA. That is the most 100 mile an hour pitches in a game by anybody in the pitch tracking era that goes back to 2008. He surpassed Jacob deGrom, Jordan Hicks, Nate Avaldi, another game by deGrom, 39 pitches at 100 miles an hour. So to put that a little bit into perspective, last year, With the fact that we have a lot of guys who throw hard these days, only 10 major league teams total threw more than 3,900 mile an hour pitches for the entire season. And he did that in his second start. And we talked about it last week. He had 20 hundred mile an hour pitches in his first start. And I know a lot of my mentions on Twitter have said, oh, he's going to need Tommy John. Oh, Velo isn't everything. He's had Tommy John surgery. He is back at this level and he is an outstanding slider. It is not just about Velo with him, but he has so much velocity. Would you agree with me when you watch him pitch, Sarah? It's like it's easy gas. Yes. It's so effortless is the first word that comes to mind. It's incredible. I mean, he's tall, he's big, and it it just looks so easy. All right, before we go, I want you to chime in on the conversation around Joe Madden's decision to walk Corey Seager with the bases loaded in the fourth inning. And that, to me, is such a key part of this. I, I can't I can't wrap my mind around it that there'd be any logic to support this. You are an expert in probability, in statistics, and, and uh, you know how it increases your chances to win. What was your take on this? Because I don't think any numbers would support it. I don't know that there's a number that supports it. I was really shocked. I mean, if you go back at the other instances that we have evidence on, they were all late in the game. The Barry Bonds one that comes up so frequently and the other time Joe Madden did this were both in the ninth inning to try to prevent a walk-off or go-ahead grand slam. I was shocked specifically at when it happened in the game. I really enjoyed Joe Madden saying he was trying to hype up his team. I'm not sure I believed it, but I really, really enjoyed that. It was very funny. It was very him. 
but uh, I really don't know where that came from. The best thing overall was the clip of it happening, which I believe the Rangers tweeted out. And there's a moment where Mike Trout looks to first, looks to second, looks to third, realizes what's happening and kind of has a really confused puppy kind of look on his face. <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> That's exactly right. I, it, uh, and I think we're all feel that way after seeing that play out. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. Great to see you. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. Bleacher Tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Tuesday. T. Jones is up first at TNJ 629. T. Jones writes in Buster, does losing two of three in Baltimore over the weekend foreshadow a tough year in the Bronx, or is that just baseball, Susan? No, I think you can draw something out of it. Uh, Look, I'm the Yankees playing against the Orioles. There is a special type of pressure, it feels like, for any team playing Baltimore. You know, Paul (laughs) Mbikides talked about that last week, Mm -hmm. uh, about how the Orioles will effectively potentially determine the winner of the American League East. And the Yankees last year, I don't want to use the word struggle because they took, what, 12 out of 19 or 11 out of 19 but it turned out to be the difference in the division because Tampa Bay won 18 out of 19. And when you look at the lineups, it's kind of mind boggling. Wouldn't you say Taylor? Absolutely. I, it makes me think, I think I put in the rundown last night. Do the Yankees have an Orioles problem? I feel like that's right. going to be on sports talk radio in do. New York today. <laughs> yeah. Their, their lineup definitely feels stagnant early in the year. That's for sure. Billy Flanagan at Billy Flan is up next. He writes in how many games at bats, innings pitched or whatever, can we stop saying it's a small sample size? It's too early to tell. We praise the players that start out hot, but give a pass to the players that play poorly to start a season. Well, Billy, we, you know, can make a decision as, as reporters and fans, uh, how much we want to react to, you know, last week we had a lot of fun with Stephen Kwan in his great start to the season, for example, for the guardians. I will tell you front offices kind of look at it as, you know what, we need to see about a week, Uh, excuse me, about a month to six weeks of action before we start to determine uh, actions on teams, rosters, lineups, players, that sort of thing. Our guy, Matt, at Kayaking Smith, uh, quote tweeted the Athletics' Dave O'Brien. Here's the tweet from Dave. For those wondering about the argument at the end, Ump told Kenley Jansen he was out of time and couldn't keep warming up. Snit said that was BS because they stopped him coming in to check for sticky substances as they do all closers, and he needed to throw a couple more warm-up pitches. And then Matt writes in, integrity of the game is important, and the pace of play push is key for the league. But player health should be a priority, right? Shouldn't the league ease these rules, especially with such long bullpen walk distances in some parks? You know, I could do both sides on this. Um, on one hand, yeah, I think what Snits and we we had the, the Braves the day after that incident happened. And, you know, Snitker felt like, look, give him a warning, you know, do, do something different than the way he handled it right, you know, from the get go. Um, and on the other hand, the rules are the rules, right? I, I mean, if the umpires are going to bend rules for one player, what happens the next time he comes up with another player? And the players know the rules. And Kenley does take time to get out of the bullpen. He takes a little bit extra time. So maybe by doing it this way, you know, the next time uh, he'll speed up. But it, it did feel like in that moment that Bill Miller could have handled a little bit differently. 
I like that we're analyzing the uh, pace of these guys' walks from the bullpen right now. This, this is awesome. <laughs> well, you remember, as an Orioles fan, you remember Lee Smith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. The closer of the Orioles who they would put a clock on him on how long it would take <laughs> him to get from the bullpen to the mound. I think it was sometime like three minutes, Taylor. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Damn, that is a long time. Speed it up, guys. Come on. Adam Wolf at Adam Wolf Horn writes in, Hey guys, Buster, in your time covering the Padres, could you have ever imagined the fan support the team is receiving right now, specifically their home opener the other night? Adam, I had a great conversation the other day with the owner of the Padres, Peter Seidler, and, and I said to him, I said, I, I, I never could have imagined <laughs> uh, the support like this. It is a great atmosphere in San Diego. The fans are responding to this team. I think the leadership of the team in terms of, you know, marketing the club, they've done a great job. And, and you know, Peter was very positive. He's, uh, he, of course, the grandson of Walter O'Malley and, and has been someone who's done a great job, uh, I think, in terms of engaging the fans since he took over the Padres. Max Moreno at Max Moreno 3 is up next. He writes in Hunter Green throws 39 pitches at 100 miles an hour plus while awesome to watch. I can't help but think the human arm is just not made to withstand this kind of stress. Max, I'm with you. Like these days when you see radar gun ratings like that, you know, part of you is excited and part of you cringes a little bit. Uh, I hope he holds up. The one thing I would say in watching Hunter Green throw, there's an ease to it. It's kind of like when the, uh, the first time you saw uh, Aroldis Chapman throw. He just looks very comfortable throwing at high velocity. Last one for today. PK Steinberg writes in, dug up about two dozen dandelions today. What's my GAR gardening above replacement? Uh, I don't see. Yeah. What do you think, Buster? Yeah, I, I think it's like a plus six. I think 18 dandelions a day in April is a pretty good ratio. So if you're doing 24, I think that makes you an all star gardener. That's awesome. I knew you would have a good answer for that. That's Bleacher Tweets, everyone. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. And please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you're listening to your podcasts. That's it for today. My thanks to Tim, Sarah, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Chews provides one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus Chews.